really can't stop innovation regardless of what system you're in. So innovation gonna always yep. make it through. And so I think rage is an example of how even in this really complicated, complex system to keep residents quiet, to do whatever they want, we've been able to navigate um, through it. Yeah. From Harold Washington to Harold's Chicken, and everything in between and beyond. Sociology is the exploration of Chicago culture, history, legends, stories, and fiction through a myriad of discussions with Chicagoans themselves. You know, it doesn't get much more Inglewood than you. It don't get much more Inglewood than you. Um, so tell us about your background. You, you know, you're born and raised in Inglewood. You said you met your husband there. You know, like, tell us about your background. Like, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Things like that. Yeah. So, um, first of all, thank you so much for having me um, to, you know, talk about some of the work that I do, but really more so like, it's really, I always say the why I do the work, right? Like, what's the reason why? And usually it's because you're connected in some type of way to hopefully hopefully you're doing work that you're connected to and rooted to. Yeah. So for me, um, between Inglewood and back of the yards, my my starting before my parents were even born, my grandfather uh, migrated here to Inglewood um, on 67th and Aberdeen. Um, and then my um, mom, that's where he raised his family. And then my mom met my husband, her husband, my father, um, He's from 60th and Peoria. And then things didn't work out with them. She moved to back of the yard. So my grandfather continued to stay in Inglewood and I continued to go to school in Inglewood. And so I always make the joke like, you know, people normally don't talk to the Catholic school kids of Inglewood. Like it is a little uh -huh. community of us who went to Catholic school and I was one of them. Okay. Um, many of those spaces no longer exist. Uh, most of them have been either converted to something else or either demolished. Um, my grandmother also on my father's side was very active on her block on 60th and Peoria. And I just say all that to say I had no clue that I would be doing like community work until okay. like I started examining, oh, okay, this was actually, regardless of my mom and dad was split, this was still part of both of their stories and their history. Yeah. And so um, now me meeting my husband as well here, coming back to purchase here, you know, we, we had moved away for a minute to rent together. And then we we're like, we want to purchase a home. And we said, first we wanted to go to the suburbs like everybody else. And then we said, how about we actually look in Inglewood? This is where we're from. This is what we know. The stuff in the suburbs was overpriced. The taxes was too high. It was far from our current jobs at the time. This is back in 2002. And so, we said, okay, let's just see if we can, you know, maybe find a nice rehab, you know, decent price, you know, property in Inglewood. And my brother, uh, Monty, he is the one who suggested that we look at income property because he had just purchased income property in the suburbs. And he was like, why don't you just get some assistance with your mortgage you know people always need a place to stay you can always have a tenant you could do whatever you want to the other unit and and so that kind of started us back in 20 to over 20 years ago 
when we got our first two flat building was like, yeah, let's get something in Inglewood that's rehabbed, um, priced well. Kenny King College wasn't built yet. So the realtor was telling us, hey, the property value is going to go up because Kenny King College. Um, and then we had the opportunity to be able to purchase the property across the street. Um, someone was selling it. One of the owners on the block, he had owned the block. He owned several units on the block. Okay. He started selling his unit. So we decided to purchase that. Um, as well, the three flat. And then um, later we rage just started and we started doing work and then made an opportunity for homeowners to be able to get land too for a dollar yeah. through the large block program. So, but that's, I don't know if the answer probably went too far, but that was, that's how I landed here. I think like for me as a resident, I, um, a lot of stuff happened from when I purchased my house, um, the block, got crazy dangerous um kenny king was built and then the property value went up then the housing market crashed and then it went back right back down so um, it was really tough to to want to stick it out here in inglewood and we me and my husband had really thought through like how could we relocate to georgia where most of my father family was at um and we was gonna totally move and then i just had an epiphany like I, looking at these kids in my life, like I gotta, I gotta help out. I gotta do something. I gotta, let me just at least try on the block. I know it's, I know it's wild on the block right now, but how can we figure out how to be neighbors and get an understanding with each other? Everybody wants these kids to live and be safe. And it just, it was a long like journey, but it started first on the block. And then, um, then I just started moving into volunteerism um, shortly after. So what what year was this when uh, your husband and yourself were contemplating moving to Georgia? What year was that? 2008, right? Right before, right after like the um, home ownership crisis. Got it. Okay. So 2008, 2008, you know, y'all already bought your house. You know, y'all got the two flat. Then y'all got the two flat across the street. Yeah. So y'all got basically four units on the same block. Yeah. Um, Rage five. not been five five units. Okay. Yeah. Rage <laughs> has not been started yet, right? Yeah. No. No, rage. no. Rage. Yeah. But y'all rage. contemplating going to Georgia before everybody was t- contemplating going to Georgia. You know, everybody going yeah. to Atlanta and Texas. Yeah, you know? I know. But but this it, was before it, that wave. You know, this was before that. My family on my father's side, they had migrated there, and so we went to visit one year, and the houses were like these 3,000, 4,000 square foot houses for like a hundred thousand. So we were like, Whoa, like maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a daughter, our only child and our block was turned up every night. Like we could not, I mean, bullets flying, parties late, gambling. Like it was not a place to raise a child. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and those are like some real tough decisions (laughs) to make because you got a child to worry about, you know, and like you said, the violence, you know, we all know the stigma of the violence in our city. We don't have to talk about it. But, you know, um, so these are some real tough decisions to make. But nonetheless, somehow you still ended up staying there. So I want to like start the conversation there. Right. I know. So every time I think about it, I always get teary eyed thinking about it. You know, and it's like, (laughs) what, what sticks in my mind. So, I live I live on the east side, right? Mm-hmm. And when we first moved in, 2017, we had a um, very, <sighs> help me here, what's the political correct 
way to say she had mental health issues. Uh, mental health issues, is that uh, it? Yeah, mental health issues. But she, she was very uh, yeah. violent. Well, just not mentally well. She yeah, wasn't she, mentally. She was very violent and aggressive. Uh, okay. And like, she was just spaz out out of nowhere, mm -hmm. unprovoked. You know, it, it was bad. But like one thing she will always say, and I don't know why, but she will always say, they, meaning us, the new neighbors, yeah. they from Inglewood. I don't talk to them. They from Inglewood. Like, mm. So a couple things popped in my head. Number one, one, I never lived in Inglewood. I have okay. a lot of family that lives in Inglewood, but right. I never lived in Inglewood. Yeah. But two, what's the problem with Inglewood? Yeah, what, you know did, what, what was the so, trauma attached to Inglewood? How, how did Inglewood yeah. become like the ultimate scapegoat of Chicago? Right. I know. You know what I'm saying? So deep, this is where you grew up at. This is where you live. Yeah. And this is where you decided to stay. And what stuck out to me, um, I had watched that. Like invest, not, you know, and I think about the investment, like that's mm -hmm. a big step. That's a 30 year commitment. 30 year commitment. Yeah, 30 years. <laughs> so people don't get that. Like that was, that's a, that's a huge thing to do. It's huge, um, you know, so. and, and you decided to invest there twice, you know, yeah. and you decided to, you know, raise your family there. And one thing that stuck out was you said you wanted to focus on community development of the mind. Yeah, that's 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 very powerful yeah. to me. So, oh, like, wow. walk us through the thought process behind rage, you know, and that community development of the mind. Ah, yeah. So, it goes back to my live experience being at a place where I felt fearful. At first, I thought like, "Hey, I'm a big thing. I bought a house. You know, I'm in Inglewood." But now I'm fearful. I'm starting to hate it. I I want to leave. I'm like, oh, I'm disgusted. It's nothing here. Um, so I had to shift how I felt about the re the the neighborhood for me to feel empowered. Hmm. So that moment of me looking out at that young girl in the lot, I felt empowered to be like, let me get them out the dirt. You know, like let me. This is not. And, it, and I didn't have this mindset of like, I'm fearful going out helping them. They mom might, you know, come at me wrong. I was like, nah, let me shift that. These are little girls. They're in the lot. They kids, they're throwing rocks. They can get hit by a car. I'm a homeowner over here. I, things are going to be different. So then like that made me feel different. Like it made me be like, what's up how are y'all doing like let's have a conversation let's figure out let, let, hello you know like I'm here I have a daughter and so it was a mental shift that I had to do within myself mm. to look at Inglewood mm -hmm. differently in a way that at first isolated going to work coming home worrying about my family only not really engaging to like now I'm going to engage and I'm going to proactively engage because first of all, I want safety on my block. So, yeah. and then like from that, it made me be like, well, I work a little full-time job at the time. I was working nine to five. I got the mm -hmm. weekends off. Let me help out. Like yeah. where, where yeah. can I like assist? Because I bet you it's people who doing stuff here that can use some support. And at first, if it was a year ago from that point, I was scared of the community. So why would I be even look? So now I'm like, let me. So I shifted this whole, this whole way of viewing Inglewood to like, 
it's assets here. It's people who care here. It's neighbors here. Everybody want to be safe. Um, no one's out to get you. You shouldn't be like, you know, so paranoid, fearful in your own house. Um, not like you crazy and you don't recognize things are sometimes things jump off. I'm not crazy, but I'm not also in this mindset of fear. Right. And I'm more so in this mindset of love now and yeah. value. And so I started sharing that with a lot of people and mm-hmm. writing a blog okay. to get people to be like, and then people started talking to me like, oh my God, I feel like that too, but I never could like express that. Mm-hmm. Or I was fearful and now I connected with somebody online. I'm like, that's how you do community development because it doesn't matter if you put a house here or a new building here or Whole Foods here. Oh, We're going to talk about that. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. If people hate and don't value their community, that it, it is, we're never going to do community development. Community development is going to be looked at as an isolated thing that's happening in a place where the people can't stay in their community. And so I wanted to tap into, hey, let me look, let's look at, let's look at Inglewood different. And then who else will be willing to go on this journey with me to look at it different, document it different, talk about it differently, show up differently. And that just was a movement that continues to move. Yeah. It's just, just, and now, and it was, and I'm just starting to 13 years later, actually do physical property community development. And mm. I feel like been doing community development for the last 13 years mm, mm, that's deep man that's deep because like it really just all started with like you just taking that first step because yeah like once you took that first step you will see other people want to take those steps with you you know right. and that's i think that's that's so huge to uh understand because that's how we feel about everything like you're yeah. not the only one who are thinking about cleaning up the street or yeah you know, doing whatever you got to do you're not the only one like it's yeah. other people doing it but sometimes it just takes that one courageous person in this yeah. situation it was you to make that step and now that's how rage was born yeah that that is how i mean again it was a mindset shift. like we can't let that go my mindset had to shift so you can't just start an organization or just like right. try to do work and you still feel you still don't value your community or you still look at your community from a place of deficit the mindset, the mind shifting of myself, nothing would have jumped off if my mind didn't shift. And so, and I noticed that has happened with every single person that either I came in contact with or shared or um, had conversations about Inglewood with. They're like, man, now I feel different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we had a, through that, I did some activities through volunteerism. I met other residents who also felt like they want to do something and know where to start. They don't know the place. They got this skill. They might do a podcast. They might be a photographer, but it's not a space for them to do that. And so Rage really provided a space for like people from Inglewood in Inglewood who had remarkable skills mm. and like can I just and I just tell them that's what you do in Inglewood don't we ain't about to make no program up we not going we're not we are gonna do what we all love in our hearts to do anyway that we would yeah. do at any time and with that when people did that and unlocked this kind of like 
passion within themselves, I it's no way that you could control the growth of that. And so that yeah. growth is going to be rapid and it's going to be in your face. And that's what you saw in Inglewood. Yeah. A lot of folks would did not know where to start. You know, they wasn't making t-shirts. Mm -hmm. They wasn't doing photography. They wasn't being a broadcaster. They yeah. wasn't an elected official. Yeah. They was able to kind of figure out through some portals, through some interactions, through us pulling it out, us having conversations about people's purpose and looking at Inga and telling people and and sharing boldly, look at the wealth of talent in this community. It just wasn't organized before. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I always say like, it was seeds that was planted that now has grown to a, 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 an abundant forest. And yeah. I'm just proud that a lot of things that you see in Inglewood that people think is new, was conversation seven, eight years ago and probably wouldn't happen if it wasn't a group of organized residents bringing folks to the table. Absolutely, man. And, and that's that's beautiful because, you know, it just goes back to, to me wondering, like, how did Inglewood become the scapegoat when you just said, like, all of these brilliant people are in, in Inglewood. It was just yeah. a matter of mobilizing together. Um, and Rage does a lot of things which we about to dive into. Yeah. Um, so... The lot that's behind you, you know, uh, yeah. both of you who are looking, you know, tell us the story about the lot. Now, I, I know the story because I did, <laughs> but I want the viewers to know about this lot because it almost didn't happen, right? Yeah, it almost didn't happen. I mean, yeah, they, like, what was that about? Yeah, the, you know, so for viewers and, and if you have them in state or in Chicago or out of Chicago who are watching this, in our community alone in Inglewood, we have over 5,000 vacant spaces. Variety in and Inglewood alone. Mm -hmm. With a variety of different owners from the city of Chicago to the Cook County Land Bank to private folks to LLCs. But it's an abundance of land due to um, us being a red line community. And then like all the housing policies that really screwed us. A lot of these homes are now demolished, right? So that's why we have... The abundance of land so yes. this is this is the effects of red line right and so um we were in conversations because now rage is formed in these like planning conversations with the city with a regional planning cmap a regional planning agency teamwork inglewood lisk um a few other you know partners and we start talking about land use and like what could be a solution for land use so my thing is with the mindset shift, we have to focus on solutions. We can we would we would be nowhere sitting all day talking about the problems. Let's think about solutions. And they could be pilots, things you try out. It may not work, they may work. Um, and so one of the solutions or recommendations that Rage recommended um was that homeowners be able to purchase any city on lot on their block for a dollar. Um it was no process in place. I thought I could get this lot. I talked to the alderman. This mm. is before large lot came out. He said, oh yeah, no problem. I said, now, you know, I live across the street. Yeah, that's no problem. You could get the lot. Next thing you know, I get a letter saying you can't get the lot. It's not part of the ANLAP program. It's not adjacent to your house. While I'm in this planning process. So that's when I said, oh, well, we need something that's different from ANLAP. That's from that that y'all have so many lots on the block. We should be able to get any of them, right? 
And we set up to three. They cut it down to two. We also didn't want taxes on it, but we do actually need the taxes. Um, but eventually we survey people, we survey homeowners. We don't have a huge amount of homeowners in Inglewood, so it's a very small population. But the ones that we did talk to and connect with said they would absolutely be interested in purchasing a lot for a dollar on their block on the corner of their block, you know, like, you know, that was like very loose roots and they could do whatever they wanted to do with it. Yeah. And what we wanted to do was just have kind of like a plaza where people always used to just cross through the vacant lots. It was just a lot of walking traffic. And so we still have enough vacant lots for folks to do that. We wanted somewhere that people could chill. If they wanted to come and just sit down for a minute, get a book. We do events. Sometimes we put movies on the back of the wall and show it to everybody on the block. We're right by a really hot spot um, around 66 and Hostage. So sometimes we stabilize the area by just having something projected outside. So yeah, um, yeah so we did that. And then large lot passed through council and um, Inglewood was first and then it went through the whole entire city. Now, I don't know what happened in the interim when it went around the city, when we designed large lot, we designed it for Inglewood. Mm -hmm. So what happened on the West side, what happened anywhere else? We don't know, but it worked in Inglewood. And a lot of our members have beautiful spaces um, that they got from the large lot, but it was just recently um, sunsetted by the last administration and rebranded to be shy block builders, which is, completely different and the spirit is completely different from what the large lot was and that means um i'm assuming you can't buy lots for a dollar no more no not not anymore um you the residents have to um and we're still pushing back on this you know like actually it's just a couple of emails i need to follow up on because we have been in discussions the residents have to pay 10 percent of the market value the market value will be determined by a third party um, real estate, you know, brokerage. Um, so, you know, that doesn't really help, unfortunately. And then also the lots, if you're not intending to build new homes, then um, that you have to pay 10%. If you're nonprofit and you want to build a new home, nonprofit developer, you could get it for a dollar. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, say less. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very um, given, like, yeah, we just going to move the goalposts one more time. Yeah. Because And uh, I just think it's enough to still offer residents lots for a dollar and, and you have so much. Why does it matter what if they don't want to build a house on there and they just want another larger yard, yard a plaza, a pocket park, a dog park, whatever they want to do? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody it, doesn't want to be developers. Everybody yeah, doesn't everybody want doesn't want to do that. And so it's really, um, so yeah, we definitely had a lot of pushback on the way it rolled out and how it was done. And also some of the mishaps that we've noticed already based off the applications that came in. Wow. So yeah, another yeah. avenue of contention that <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our name very... is Rage. So it's not. Yeah, it's very unfortunate that that happened. Um, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, they saw how successful it was in Inglewood. They saw how um, 
you all were utilizing these vacant lots. I mean, again, yeah. it's beautiful. Like I said, I drove past it in person many times. Um, people yeah. are watching, they can see it. You know, and if anybody knows what a vacant lot looks like, you can see that yeah. that's not a vacant lot anymore. You know, it's grass, yeah. it's not dirt, it's not mud. And it's yeah. not dangerous for kids, like you said. You know, there's no broken yeah. glass, you know. And I don't understand the thought. Well, I do understand the thought process of why you would want to stop that type of uh, progress. But, yeah. you know, it's just, it's it's oppressive and it's, um, it's, it's very malicious, you know. Yeah. So, but, yeah. you know, nonetheless, um, <laughs> you were able to revitalize the lot on your block, yeah. which went into the thought process behind Rage. You said other um, residents in Inglewood, homeowners in Inglewood, were able to do similar things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that is a, that is a a, a victory. Yeah. Oh, a huge victory yeah. for us. I mean, yeah. you know, land and real estate has always been a very sensitive topic when it comes to Black people, and mm -hmm. so the opportunity to add additional land to your already your asset on your block for Black people is liberating. You know, and so yeah, and the city has enough to be able to do that, especially in communities that were redlined here. And the reason why we have the vacant lots is because of flaw policies. And that's why, you know, yeah. we think did the demolitions. Yeah, you know? right, 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 right. So and now that, you want to blame us to put it in productive use, but what have you done with your land over the last 10? I've been here 10 since 2002. Mm -hmm. It's city on land has just, yeah, just been sitting there just as well there. as private. Yeah, just yeah. so you haven't did any productive use too. And that's opportunities for, like I said, safe spaces to be created everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it always goes back to a quote I heard that said, governments always fail because governments are filled with people and people um, have agendas, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just very unfortunate that this it happened. is. And, you know, uh, the city government, not this current administration, but a pre previous administration closed over 50 schools, which you are yep. very, very aware yep. of. And some of those schools were in Inglewood. Yeah, um, six. Yeah, six. six. But you are uh, involved with the uh, rebirth of one of these properties. Yeah. Let's talk about one of those. Yeah, once again, I mean, it, it'd be a lot of a lot of things that people don't know what ha has happened behind the scenes. And um, we have even been toiling around the idea of just kind of giving people backstories about what we've been a part of these last this last decade mm -hmm. and one thing we were very vocal about was how first of all that we lost all these schools and how community government whoever private <laughs> private public work together to repurpose these schools for the benefit of the community we've advocated we didn't care, you know we advocated for that the minute they were closed, you know, and uh, didn't want any of them to close, but challenged the administration to do that. And it was like foreign to people, like, what? Like, no, we, nobody, nobody's doing that. What are you talking about? But mm. like, I was working somewhere um, at the Institute of Real Estate Management, um, which is known as IRAM. And we have members who are property managers and they have managed, you know, large scale, you know, portfolios. And so I tapped one of my members in, um, they had did something similar in Kansas and created a Kansas City School Repurposing Committee. And so I brought him to the table to CPS and to some of the folks at the table back then about, hey, we need a repurposing committee. 
And then I dedicated my studies at NEIU to focus on vacant schools being an engine mm. for economic vitality. And that was back in 2013. A decade so, ago. Yeah, a, de- <laughs> a decade ago. A decade ago. So we were walking through them. We were talking to brokers. We were getting like what the numbers would be. We were doing charrettes with the community, um, put out a report and like in terms of what people wanted to see. Some brilliant ideas. Oh my God, just so many different things that I think still could happen. Um, and then, so with this partnership, like fast forward to today, the work that we do with the go green, um, on racine kind of initiative and movement, um, we had the school as also a part of this revitalization of 63rd and racine because of this decade work, the work that we've already put in, already been talking to folks about. And so, um, because we were privileged to be able to be finalists in the Chicago prize, we got people to really listen to us like this time. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, we for real, like we're yeah, we not just opening. talking. Yeah. We, we, really we talking about a, a grocery store is going to open, which Iman already had, you know, the project underway. Mm-hmm. We're advocating to get the green line open. We could definitely see new construction happening. Housing is also an issue. And guess what? We're not going to ignore this vacant institution that is sitting here has been sitting here for the last decade. And so, um, with some organizing and really thinking about some allies and some partners to help us do this, we will be closing on that school in January, gratefully, January 2024. That's huge. That is huge. And you know, yeah, we're excited. I know once you know you get to that closing table, you could breathe breathe a sigh of relief, you know, momentarily because yeah. you're still gonna have some more and work. Leave. Exactly. Yeah, but um, oh yeah, we still it's work every day. <laughs> like we huge. just and you know, but again, just like the vacant lots. Yeah, the the pushback and the resistance from stakeholders in the communities on the south and west sides, black communities of Chicago, mm-hmm. the resistance of, you know, the desire to change these spaces into something productive is is mind boggling. Yeah. Again, like I, I understand the spirit behind that resistance, yeah. you know, it's racism, it's capitalism. But yep. nonetheless, it's still mind boggling, especially when you have people that look like you that's supposed to be leading the charge for you in a lot of yeah. situations or conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it it just goes back to the overall systemic historical yeah. way um blacks are treated, black Chicago. You know, we're just like a microcosm of like seeing it up front. The good thing about it, we are in a day and age you could talk to somebody trying to disrupt it, trying to figure out other avenues around this system, um, trying to think about like how to make people whole in the midst of this segregation and and these policies. And so um, I do think, you know, we are in a good time of history right now because it's like, how how much are you gonna continue this cycle without somebody saying, no, enough is enough. And so I think what I'm, it's hard, but I think what I'm proud of is that I'm not afraid to say that. Like, no, dude, that's not just fine. I can't catch everything. I be trying. I be trying <laughs> <laughs> so much. <laughs> I'm telling you, so many moves being made. Yeah, yeah. Can't even catch them all. Yeah. But you know, that's why I'm faithful for the rage members because a lot of, we got to be eyes and ears everywhere. Yeah. And it's just, it's a very um uh sophisticated system that has been created to um 
really minimize and, and just really constantly push at our growth, you know, economically, physically, mentally, um, from our food, like you said, with the whole, from everything, right? So it's, it's a very difficult, sophisticated system to break through. But I think that you can't stop innovation. Just like, you know, we think about hip hop, think about what folks are doing with, with social media, podcasts, mm -hmm really can't stop innovation regardless of what system you're in. So innovation will always yep. make it through. And so I think rage is an example of how even in this really complicated, complex system to keep residents quiet, to do whatever they want, we've been able to navigate um, through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the flexibility of it all. And the fact that, you know, y'all are so horizontally integrated, you know, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing, man. You know, so you mentioned redlining earlier. Yeah. You know, let's talk about blacklining, you know, right. <laughs> you know talk about the blacklining that y'all yes, yes. are doing. And you're partnering with uh, the Cook County Land Bank on this, is that? So this is a little bit different. Okay. We have okay. two different stories and I could definitely send you the link. Like okay. everything came out so quick, I couldn't even like share all moving the too fast for you it okay. was moving too fast okay. but we do have a couple of things happening a we do have a partnership with the land bank we've partnered with the land bank for quite a while okay. um and just in different capacities panel discussions together doing workshops together um then we were able to partner last year and gift our members land for Juneteenth. So we did that, which was phenomenal. Eight nice. homeowners who was looking to revamp land that was owned by the County Land Bank. And then this year they was able to donate a home to Rage, to rehab, right? And to really rehab it so that we, with the people we're working with on our By the Block series, through our network and people who really want to invest like I did and live in Inglewood, will have an actual space like kind of renovated with love, right? From from rage. And so those are our re-up homes. And so we'll probably continue to partner with the land bank with those because even right now the homes are half off um in Inglewood. So okay. if we want to be it right, and I know that's from discussions that we've had in terms of how much vacancy we have here, they can afford to do that similar to the city. <laughs> so, you know, like they could they could do that with their inventory. I mean, some of them come with a lot of work, but I think we're being creative and thinking about ways that we could get support, we can get financing and just, you know, just work in tangent, public, private, nonprofit, for-profit entities, investors to um, really renovate some of these homes. Perfect. And then the other part we have is for homeowners who are who made the choice or is making the choice to invest and live in Inglewood, we're basically giving them an incentive, kind of a mm -hmm. move-in bonus, sign-up yeah. bonus um, through the Black Lining Grant. So that's a $1,000 grant to just assist them with any expenses that they may That's have. Because like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that can help with anything. Yeah. Down payment, closing clause. Yeah, closing, exactly. Closing clause, closing I mean, clause you, all of Yeah, that. furniture. Like we are, once again, we're a neighborhood association. So for us, we just want to make sure, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually put the link in the, in the chat for you. Okay, but, perfect, perfect. But for us, you know, it, it's not a lot of folks incentivizing Black people, period. And so we already know with some incentives for other groups, we already realized that 
um, for us to counteract kind of like what redlining is doing, we're just flipping the script. You redlined us in this community yeah. to starve us out of resources, everything, wealth, take or the homes, the whole nine. But no one for the ones who are like still around, still interested to come in this in this community that is affected by redlining. We have a black lining grant, and when the more that we could give to black people to be here and incentivize, hopefully, it's something that will get more people to want to say, you know what, let me think about Inglewood, let me come, let me come back and invest. Yeah, yeah. Many of our families, the reason that Inglewood stands out so much is because many of our families was told to come here, our grandparents, our great grandparents, when they were working, like for prosperity, to be in this community as a middle class community in a way. And so our roots are a lot of Black folks' roots from Bronzeville to Inglewood. It was just uh-huh. spaces we were yeah. pushed to go. Yeah. And so once it was redlining, you were like told to like come here. Um, of course, we didn't know that we were being told to come here for harm. We thought we were <laughs> we thought we were coming for something else, and we and we got tricked and got and and was harmed, and yeah. we're still harmed. Yeah. And to me, this is a way to possibly heal a little bit of that harm. And, you know, it's a pilot. I told you, we do pilots. So we're we're starting with homeowners first, like the ones who are recently buying and investing right now. And then we want to think about how to be really strategic about our current homeowners to help them with possibly maintaining and sustainability of their homes. Yeah. You know, um, Lynn Bloom High School... um was actually used as marketing material during the Great Migration. Mm, I found that yeah. out not too long ago. Wow. Yeah, they it was used. It was saying like, you go to school in a small shack. This is the type of school you can attend if you come to Chicago. Oh wow. So, yeah. So a lot of people would see that like, oh yeah, I want my son, I want my daughter to go to a school like that. So obviously yeah. that would be more incentives to come to Chicago. But like you said, when they got to Chicago, the racism was still there. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm saying? See? Yeah. It was, it was still there. So it's like you know. Like you said, we were harmed everywhere we went. And just to hear the mutual aid that rage is, you know, bringing together is beautiful because, you know, you look at all these grants, you know, they'd be like, oh, home, first time homeowner grant over here. It's like so many hoops and loops you got to go through. And it's like, you know, and we're going to be honest, they're biased towards every other race except for us. Like I never applied for a first time homeowner grant, but I have applied to multiple business grants Yeah, and not one did I get, I'm not trying to act like I'm a victim, but I'm just being real. I know a lot of these grants I was qualified for, overly qualified for, but for some strange reason, I was not selected. Why is that? that And so we're getting pushback because people are saying that we're being discriminatory. Of course. All right. Doing black aligning. Of course the pushback is going to be there. Yeah. So the pushback is going to be there. Oh, well, we are still 90% of this community. What other way to get your attention to actually feel good and to reward people who are making that step? We still don't have a lot of, even though Rage has been around for a decade, we still don't have a lot of amenities. We're still not a walking community. We still don't have the best of schools. So we have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. And so we're just trying to say, you know what? Welcome to the neighborhood. We see you. We love you. Mm-hmm. And let's keep it going. Yeah. And it's just that simple. And it's like, you that, know, the, that, the Supreme really Court, 
it, it's a clear war on black people at the Supreme Court level. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a clear war on black people in a lot of these Southern conservative states, you know, Florida, you know, they critical race theory. It's history. Let's just be real. It's yeah. history. It ain't yeah. no critical. It's history, you know, and it's history yeah. that y'all want to ignore. Um, so, you know, yeah, you can scream discriminatory all you want, but, you know, it's, you really just project it because you know the truth yeah. is y'all been discriminating ever since 1865. Ever since 1865, when we were no longer property, that's how long y'all yeah. been discriminating. So, and we're in this mess because of discrimination, and that's why we want to counteract it. You know it as redlining. Redlining is harmful. This is blacklining. This is what they did to black people yeah. to harm them, and we want to do the opposite, and we want to help provide some resource for them. We, you know, we've been so fortunate to have. Um, private partnerships and, and with philanthropists who really, who know we're going to innovate. We're going to be thinking of stuff. We're going to listen to the community and come up with something. So we can always pilot something and we have the flexibility, thank God, with our funders that we we in a lab for a little while before we, we develop something. Yeah. Not like hey, it's a grant over here. Now we're doing this type of program. And no, we we have members who live here. We're, we're, we we offer by the block. We understand people are, you know, having issues and barriers to purchase. And so anything we could do for them to get over that hump, to let them know their neighborhood association of Greater Englewood is here for them, that's what we're doing. And that's, that's amazing to know that you actually have people in your community fighting for you and actually for you, not, you know, with a secret yeah. agenda, you know, things like that. Exactly. Um, you know, exactly. you know, we mentioned Whole Foods a couple of times. I remember when Whole Foods first got there because I was across the street um, working with a client. I believe okay. it was Blue. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Ingle Blue, the incubator over there. I was doing some video work for them. My company was doing some video work for them. And that's okay. when Whole Foods was making this big rah rah about like I'm coming to the neighborhood. You know, 63rd yeah. and Halsted is going to be 63rd and Halsted again. You know, you know, with the shopping corridor. And that, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and it's just like all of these big box stores, Whole Foods, yeah. Target. You know, Walgreens, um, even a Walgreens struggling, but still, like they all EVS, Walmart, I mean they, most they of all them, abandoned in the black yeah. neighborhood. It's like, you know, they suck us they suck us dry, you know, they take all these tax breaks yep. and then they get up out of there. Yep. You know, and now yep. what is it now? Save a lot where that Whole Foods was? Yes, unfortunately it is a save a lot. Um that's how long you got? Yeah, you don't have a lot. Of time. No, I, I got time. I got time. It's how much time you got. Um, but it, 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 I at least have until four thirty. I do know that. But I'll tell you this: um, the spirit of why Whole Foods were coming and the reason and the the deal that was done um, initially was really between friends, which was the mayor and the co-owner, the co-CEO of Whole Foods. He is still a great friend of mine, not the mayor. Not well, the I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but um, Walter Rob is still a very great friend of mine. And I knew that why they did this with the foundation in mind. They have a they have a foundation called Whole Cities Foundation. Okay. They did this to, in their eyes, as a business choice, for one, go into a market that is typically not a Whole Foods market. So the urban areas are not typically an uh, area where Whole Foods exists, right? So that was one like pilot of something. But if if they do that, 
they're going to go into areas that are considered, and I hate the word food desert, but I would say areas that are experiencing food apartheid. And so they wanted to try to help be a part of the social fabric of Inglewood. And so honestly, they entered it. However, decision way they made downtown to make this happen, I wasn't privy to those. I got told about it from the aldermen and from some folks from the city um, before it was open to the public. And I was like, whoa, like, and it, and they said, you know, I had wrote something on my blog about Whole Foods and they had, they knew all who I was. Mm. And I was like, oh, and because remember I told you I was blogging about right. things. Anyway. So I had said like, you know, sarcastically, like why couldn't Inglewood have a Whole Foods? I said that like 2009 or something like that. It was mm. a while. And they brought that up. They, the deal was already done. And I told them, I said, you know, if I was against it, it's probably not going to be much I could do. Right. He just fairly new. So it's not like I have a huge, too much muscle. So, but the, but the co-CEO really was intentional about staying connected. Like he wanted to meet, he started meeting with stakeholders. He um, wanted to talk through how, how can we roll this out in a way that's authentic? He wanted to partner with Rage to do that. He, you know, like they they had the foundation partner with us to do grant making for smaller groups who were doing things around food. So the the initial intent was very different. <laughs> and then um shortly after, unfortunately, they can go to store open with as they say in the media, fanfare. Um, my husband DJing, I'm spin, I'm speaking at the place. It felt like our store. It really did. We got people hired. We got Black-owned products on the shelf. We helped them change their hiring policies around people with backgrounds. It was a whole community effort with so many different groups involved that made, like, we was doing, we felt we were we were on the right path. Yeah. Um, Several years later, like maybe a couple of years later, unfortunately, that co-CEO was was bought out. Okay. Um, and then eventually Amazon bought it. And then eventually the community engagement department was eliminated. And then eventually COVID happened and it just went downhill from there. People would have done this. People, people would have yeah, like they're like, okay, we get why we came, but we not staying. Yeah. Basically, that's Amazon. Yeah, it's cool that our packaging systems in the store, which they could do that anywhere. Um, but I just, they really do it anywhere. Yeah, they, I just think Whole Foods and they just did not want that brand there. I, no telling. But I heard that it was rumors that they were talking about leaving for quite a while, but they didn't immediately. Yeah. So that happened, and then. It was, we didn't really, and then so where the controversy all became happening was that we didn't realize that Whole Foods had the option of being like the landlord and subleasing to whoever they want. And they didn't need to talk to, even though we were used to being in communications with them and talking to them, they didn't feel they needed to talk to community. They didn't feel like they just pulled out they didn't want no conversation, no meetings. I mean, with the alderman, no one. Mm -hmm. And then they, however way it happened, they decided to sublease to save a lot. Okay. So yeah. 
yeah. a, a, pla a place where has been harmful in black very communities. Very harmful, you know. <laughs> very uh, harmful, you know. Synthetic food. I mean, granted, processed food is in all uh, grocery stores, but I feel like Save a Lot, you know, they just relish in it. Um, you know. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it was, it was a, a manager from a Save a Lot um, over not too far from me. He was in Starbucks at the time and overheard a conversation with him going back and forth with a woman. And, you know, he was saying, like, you know, jelly is jelly. You know, um, uh, like, jelly, okay. He's <laughs> basically saying, take whatever we give you. Right, you know? right. And, like, I feel yeah. like that's, and that's really, you know, what, what it's all about, right? Like, all the work that you are yeah. doing, all the work that, you know, every activist or, you know, person that's exhibiting leadership in the Black community is doing. Mm -hmm. It's all about, no, we're not going to take what, you know, you just tell us to take. You know, we want... Yeah. We want better, period. Like, that's what, you yeah. know, Martin Luther King was all about with, you know, integration. Integration wasn't about, I want to be with white people. It yeah. was about, you're not giving me what I need, so therefore I want to access to what you have so I can get what I need. That's what it was all yeah. about. But, yeah. um, you know, and speaking of Martin Luther King, wrap this up. I know you got somewhere to go. But, yeah. you know. No, I'm, I'm good for at least the fourth. You know, <laughs> it, it reminds me of a quote that he said, the work you're doing, that is, like, he was telling the story about the Great Samaritan and, you know, the parable from Jesus. And he was saying, like, how in his imagination, he believes that the reason the Great Samaritan stopped is because it's not if I stop, what would happen to me? Because that's what the other people was thinking. That's why they kept going and didn't help the Great Samaritan. The other people was thinking, if I stop, what would happen to me? The Great Samaritan was thinking, if I don't stop, what would happen to him? And right. in my mind, the work you're doing is kind of like... It's not if I stay in Inglewood, what will happen to right, me? Right, right. If I leave Inglewood, what will happen <laughs> to Inglewood? What will happen to the community? Yeah. And, and that's what um, your work yeah. is screaming, you know? Um, and it's just like, because you, you're doing that's a lot. That's a good man. way look, to look at it. Look, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm going to be honest. You know, there's only certain people on this earth that's anointed to do certain things. Yeah. yeah. I am all about the community. I'm all about mutual aid. I have been doing it for a long time as well. Yeah. But to the magnitude that you're doing it and that others in this city are doing it, shout out to Jamal Cole that you know, my yeah. my hood, my city. Individuals like y'all, it's like it's another level, you know. Yeah. And it's like I And I've never aid. looked at it as mutual aid. I've never looked at it that way. Yeah. I, I've always looked at it like tools that empower that can help empower folks here and yeah. make them feel to shift their mind about this community. If rage if rage touched them in some way. They now feel different about this community. They care a little bit more on the block. They care a little bit more to maybe volunteer at their school, local yeah, schools. Yeah. They care a little bit more to be a, a part of the park advisory council. They care a little bit more to do cleanups. Yeah. So like if we could, that that's real. And I don't know if that's considered mutual aid or not, but like it's, it's, it's part of time. it. It's definitely part of it. Yeah, it's all um, yeah. Because it's we paper. had to, yeah, because we had to, shift to mutual aid stuff especially during COVID but you know we we try to really stand firm we are not social service like we're not a social service oriented organization where you know yes we assist with people in need um by all means with residents and homeowners who have issues but sometimes we don't do direct service like if somebody says I'm homeless and I need a place to stay sometimes that's not rage but you might have a homeowner say, hey, I got a tree on my gotcha. lot. Gotcha. We might figure out a way. Now, let's get somebody over to get that tree off the yeah, lot. Yeah. You know, so it is more so like 
what we can do within our capacity as well. Mm -hmm. And because we have so many social service agencies here, you know, we direct them to where they need to go. If that's what they're here to do, let, let's make sure we're that directory to get them where they need to go. Yeah, it's like it's like the ecosystem of Inglewood, you know, the ecosystem yeah. of Inglewood. That's basically what y'all are. So yeah, like, you know, people that's listening, um, how can they support Rage? How can they be involved with Rage? You know, what 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 would you tell them directly that they could do to keep the movement going forward? Uh yeah, I would say, um I, I like first of all, just like learn us, you know, learn us, connect with us, follow us. Um, share with others like hey if you start hearing people unfortunately saying get them them people in Inglewood don't have nothing going on and they're just horrible even sometimes you just share like no nah, but I know a group named Rage who doing A, B, and C that's helpful for us right like just get changing the narrative of what's out there and then if they want to go farther, of course, they always can join as a member. But even before then, if they want to listen and just observe and see how we move, come to our meetings as a way to support us. Mm -hmm. um, right now, we have like scholarship trunks that we're getting for our scholars. We, we're, we're doing $20,000 worth of scholarships for Inglewood residents and Inglewood scholars. So any type of... Um, things that they want to add to our Amazon list or purchase from that. They could definitely do that. Um, and then I would just say, like, if they're in Inglewood, I would just say just connect with us some type of way. Even if they don't join, connect with us. They People can always donate. But, you know, I, I, I'm more so about the social capital. So, like, if you have a skill or if you have yeah. talent yeah. or if you have something that you know could be beneficial to the work that's happening here in Inglewood, I'd rather that show up than the yeah. dollar. Yeah. So, okay. stay, I say connect. <laughs> that's it. If you enjoyed this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on right now, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc., leave a five-star review and a comment. Let us know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to our sister podcast, Mogul Motivation, from True Stories Media.